the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Enjoy. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. God is always on time. Remember Mary and Joseph had traveled to Bethlehem for the census at the same time. She gave birth to Jesus, fulfilling Micah 5 verse 2. Remember the ram caught in the thicket at the exact moment where Abraham's going to plunge the knife into the chest of his son Isaac? Coincidence? No, providence. The punctual God. Some people view God like a clockmaker who created the world, wound it up, and left it ticking on its own. But when we study the Bible, we find this image to be far from accurate. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy talks about the precious gift of time. As the seasons of life come and go, God is working out His perfect plan, and He's walking alongside us through it all. Opening to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, here's Philip DeCourcy in a message titled, It's About Time. You and I need to make the best of the time that God has apportioned and appointed for us. It's a fragment of eternity given by God to man as a solemn stewardship. We've got to live each day with the end in mind. Live your whole life knowing that it's going to come to an end. That's where this poem begins, isn't it? The whole thing's bracketed with this idea. There's a time to be born and a time to die, and what follows takes place between those two points. And God has appointed that time. Solomon has established convincingly that God is the one who winds up the clock of time. He governs its every movement. He governs its every moment. God is apart from and above time, but God is involved in time. God existed before time. Time is a creation. God created time, space, and matter. And you and I are bound by it, but he is not. Time does not master him as it masters us. It serves him. It does his bidding. He is the one who has a purpose for everything done in time under heaven. The God of the Bible and the Father of our Lord Jesus is not the God of deism, removed and unmoved. But it does raise the question, what's our part in the plan, if any? What is our role, if any, in the unfolding drama of human existence? And it's no wonder we should ask that question, because according to Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, God has put eternity in our hearts. The one who makes everything beautiful in its time put eternity in our hearts. Now, the meaning of that phrase is this, that men innately reach for the transcendent. We have more than a sneaking suspicion that there's more than our eye can see and our hands can touch. 
There's a depth and a dimension to life beyond the vision of the naked eye. Deep down, we know that what matters is not matter. Each and every human soul has this innate impulse to press beyond the limits of this present world and reach for the stars. Solomon does it here and he acknowledges that we do it because eternity is in our heart. We're created after the image of God. We want to know what the future is. We want to know our place in an ever-expansive universe. Wanting to know what's up with life and getting to know what's up with life but are two different things. We want to know what's up with life. But Solomon reminds us, although eternity is in our heart, we cannot, look at the end of verse 11, find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Solomon acknowledges that because of our finiteness and our fallenness, we end up with a view of life that's limited, narrow, incomplete. We have a keyhole perspective on human history. No one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And by implication, if it's eternal and it's vast and it's perfect, then to us it will always be inscrutable. One commentator put it like this, consider a two-year-old taking quantum mechanics from a teacher of physics. The teacher is clever, witty, enthusiastic. He even has puppets of Heisenberg and Einstein. Can he teach quantum theory in such a way that a two-year-old will learn? No. The deficiency is not with the teacher. It is with the student. The material is far too lofty for minds occupied with where's the next meal coming from and the need of a diaper change. That's the analogy. There is a God who has a season for everything and a purpose to the times that we go through. And Solomon gives us a sample and a summary of those times. And because eternity is in our heart, because we're made after the image of an eternal God, we want to get our hands around it and our heads around it, but we can't. We never will. That's why today you're holding up a piece of your life's puzzle and you're going, Lord, where in the world does this go? Surely this doesn't make sense. But there are two things in these verses we do want to grasp and we can grasp. But let me outline them. Time is governed by God. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Here we are occupied with the task that God gives men, according to verse 10. Here we are trying to grasp the significance of our lives, and it leads to much confusion and consternation. But this we do know, and we're told to believe this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Time is governed by God. Secondly, time is gifted by God. Verse 12, I know that nothing is better than... That men would rejoice and do good all their lives, and every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. We'll get to this next time. Basically, the whole point of verse 12 is this. Although you cannot comprehend all that God is doing, therefore you cannot comprehend all that there is to be experienced and all that there is to be enjoyed. Don't let that stop you enjoying the moment you're in. You don't have to have all the answers to life's questions to enjoy your wife's love, your children's admiration, a good steak, a cold drink on a hot day, or a piping hot cup of coffee on a winter's morning. Nothing better than that. That's not concluding that we're kind of ants in an anthill. It's just simply saying, you know what? Even in the midst of what you don't understand, you will find that God gives you enough things to enjoy, to rejoice in over his kindness. Time is governed by God. Let's spend a few minutes looking at this. While we may not know all that God is up to at a given moment, we do know that when he's finished with it, 
It will be fitting, beautiful, and appropriate. Remember we saw that's the meaning of that word, beautiful. It's used in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18 where it's translated proper. It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? That whatever we're going through, good or bad, we like it or we don't like it, that it has its proper place. And it has its clear purpose in the plan of God for your life and my life. He makes it all proper, appropriate, fitting. You may hold it up right now, the week you've just gone through, the month you've just gone through, the last year you've just gone through, and you're not sure what God is up to. Where does this fit, Lord? He'll make it all beautiful in its time. God's governance of history is an act of artistry. Life is not a series of hapless, disjointed events. There is a designer label sewn into the lining of this world. And in the end, God will waste nothing of our lives. Amen? He will waste nothing of our lives. That's why in time you'll see that there's a purpose to that tragedy. There's a reason to that calamity. And there is a kindness in that difficulty. That's good to know. And if you were with us in the study of the life of Joseph, you'll have seen that played out, where Joseph ends up becoming the prime minister of Egypt, saves his family, protects the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He announces that to his brothers in Genesis 45, and then later in Genesis 50, you didn't send me here, God did. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. He announces that when he's 30. His brothers come down during the famine to get some grain from Egypt. And they learn, hey, sniveling little Joseph is the prime minister of Egypt. And he holds our life in his hands. Can you believe that? They shake in their boots. They crawl before him, begging for mercy. And he says, guys, don't worry. God sent me. God's in this. Now, he says that. When he's 30, he was sold into slavery at 17. It took him a while to grasp that. 17 years before he realized God makes it all beautiful in its time. But he does. Making everything beautiful in time requires timing. But God's the Lord of time. I don't know if you've ever thought about the punctuality of God. That means you'll be at church in time. Because God's punctual. You can arrive late to the worship of God, but God will never arrive late to the needs in your life. It's the kind of God you worship. It's the kind of God you serve. Some of us are not that punctual. I like the story of the husband and wife who were going at it. He shouts up the stairs, will you hurry up? If you don't get a move on, we'll be late. She shouts down, stop nagging me. I've been telling you for the past hour, I'll be down in a minute. That's us, isn't it? But God's punctual. Write these verses down, Galatians 4, 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. The word fullness there carries the idea of that which is ripened and made ready. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. The day of Pentecost, what do we read? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Spirit comes and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. God wasn't late at Bethlehem. God wasn't late at Calvary. God wasn't late at Pentecost. Listen to these words by Ian McPherson in an interesting sermon entitled The Punctuality of God. It is the supreme paradox of history that the eternal God is always on time. He who stands beyond the ordered sequence of temporal events pays the strictest attention to the march of the moments and plans his interventions in terrestrial affairs or what looks to us like interventions. 
for God is within his world as well as above it, imminent as well as transcendent, with the greatest possible care and precision. He is a punctual God. That's why he'll make it all beautiful in its time. Don't have time to turn to these, but remember when Saul was looking for those lost donkeys in 1 Samuel 9? He meets Samuel at the appointed time set by God. Remember Mary and Joseph had traveled to Bethlehem for the census at the same time she gave birth to Jesus, fulfilling Micah 5 verse 2? Remember that exact moment when Peter denies Jesus for the third time and the rooster in the courtyard crows twice, fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 26? Remember the ram caught in the thicket at the exact moment where Abraham's going to plunge the knife into the chest of his son Isaac? Coincidence? No, providence. The punctual God who's never early, who's never late. The ancient of days is always on time. Therefore, he will make it all beautiful in its time because his timing is always perfect. Tell you a story. Saturday morning, Many, many years ago in our home, we were putting our coats on to go out the door. The girls were small. We were going to one of our favorite towns in Northern Ireland to shop and eat lunch, poured it down. We were almost out the door when the phone rang, and I decided to take it. Turned out it was my mom. She says, you know what, Philip, are you okay? I said, yeah, we're good. She says, I don't know, I woke up this morning burdened for you and the girls and June. I was anxious. I was disturbed and prayed for you. And then I decided to give you a call. I says, Mom, we're good. I don't know what's going on there, Mom, with mother's tuition and all of that, but we're good. She was happy. And so she kind of, uh, we put the phone down, we get in the car, and we headed towards Portadown, about 15 miles from our home. Just as we were coming to the outskirts of the town, a huge explosion rocks our car, frightens the wits out of us. And we see stuff flying through the air in the distance. It was a huge car bomb that the IRA had set in this Protestant town in Northern Ireland to wreak, you know, carnage and wreckage. We weren't going to Portadown that day. But we later learned that the area we normally park in was, was badly damaged by the explosion. And I kind of worked it out in my head a couple of days after this. You know what? If my mom hadn't have called, we probably would have arrived in that car lot just as the bomb was going off. We were running late to Portadown, were we? Maybe not. Maybe God was making everything beautiful in its time. Was it a mother's intuition? Was it a nudge of providence? Maybe a combination of both. But I was reminded that day that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die, and that wasn't our day to die. God makes it all beautiful in his time. He's punctual. And the knowledge of his gracious purposes and his grand design provide us a font of encouragement. A couple of little thoughts here quickly. If you think about this, this is to take home. Then you need to give God time and you need to trust God in the meantime. Okay? Just give me a few minutes to get this across because you're going to live this this week. Okay, we're buying into the, the idea that God is sovereign. He appoints the times we go through. The things we face. Some of it we don't understand. We don't understand what God's up to from beginning to end. It's a kaleidoscopic movement of innumerable pieces that he puts together masterfully, sovereignly, unerringly, wisely. Therefore, I've got to give him time to make it all beautiful. Give him time. 
He'll make it all beautiful in its time. That's why Job says, when I am come forth, I will be as gold. That's why James says, let patience have its perfect work. God's work in us and for us takes time. But sometimes we act impetuously like the horse. Sometime later, look at Psalm 32, verse 9, where God says, I'm going to guide you with my eye. Be not like the horse, be not like the mule. The horse stampedes out of fear. The horse is an impetuous animal. Roaring to go has to be restrained by the rider. God says, don't you be like that. If I'm going to guide you, don't be like the horse running ahead of me. Don't be like the mule fighting me. The sovereign purposes of heaven in life are a kaleidoscopic movement of innumerable pieces, all dovetailing together into a masterful work of God that ripens perfectly and precisely at an appointed time to our greatest advantage. Amen? I like the old preacher story of the man who asked God how long a million years was to him. God says a second. The man perks up. What about a million dollars? God says a penny. The man gathers himself up and asks the Lord to give him one of his pennies. God says, certainly, just a moment. (laughs) It's a fictitious story, but it makes a point. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Are you willing to trust God? Even at this moment, he may not explain what he's doing right now, but maybe the good of it will turn up in the next generation. Are you willing to trust him, give him time to make it all beautiful in its time? And then you've got to trust him in the meantime. It's hard in the hallway between a bitter past and a better future. That's why David says in Psalm 62, verse 8, that we must trust the Lord at all times. In the meantime, in the mystery under the clouds of what God is up to, beyond our human perception. Are you willing to give God time? Are you willing to give him your trust? Are you willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's doing something right now in the middle of what you don't like, what you don't want? That's because of the immensity of his person. That's because of the incomprehensibility of his plan. That's why we're told in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 14, that God does all of this so that man might fear him. Perhaps right now you're feeling small, feeling confused, maybe even feeling victimized. Well, you've got to give God time, and you've got to trust him in the meantime. That means fearing him. What does it mean to fear God? It's not to cringe in his presence. We don't need to do that because of the advocacy of the Lord Jesus. But it does mean we understand how awesome he is, how overwhelming his presence and power. We understand he's in control. And life may seem like an unfinished Rubik's Cube, but we'll fear him, we'll trust him, we'll ask questions, but we'll never question him. We'll embrace the idea that there's no panic in heaven, only plans. What is to fear God? It is to submit to his will. It is to be silent in his presence. It is to be steadfast in your faith, even in the face of life's harshest realities. It's to give God an unwavering, blind trust, despite what your eyes see and despite what your emotions feel. You'll say with Joe, when I'm come forth, gold. I'm going to endure. I'm going to let patience have its perfect work. I'm going to trust him at all times. Closing story. You'll like this. 1895. 
Seems like a long way back, but there's nothing new under the sun. It speaks to us today. Andrew Murray was in England suffering from a terrible back. He's a South African evangelist. He was doing some ministry in England. He's held up in a hotel room. He's confined to his bed. His breakfast is delivered by his hostess who tells him that there's a girl down in the dining room who knows that Andrew Murray's here, knows that he's an evangelist, a man of God, and she's going through a tough time and was wondering if he had any advice for her. He takes a piece of paper and he writes down this. Listen. In time of trouble, say, first he brought me here. It is by his will I am in this straight place. In that will I rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace in this trial to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me lessons he intended to learn, working in me the grace he means to bestow. And last but not least, in his good time, he will bring me out again, how and when I do not know, but he knows. That's good, isn't it? In fact, he summarizes it for this lady. Therefore say, one, I am here by God's appointment. Two, in God's keeping. Three, under God's training. Four, according to God's time. Let's pray. Lord, may we hide your word in our heart that we may not sin against you in unbelief, in unholy thoughts about you, your plans and purposes. Lord, we would hit the pause button. We would freeze frame our week and we would look back and we see things we don't like. We've experienced things we don't understand. At times, eternity has risen up in our hearts and we wonder where it's all going, where it's all headed and what our part in it all is. Thank you for reminding us and there's a time and a season for everything. Thank you for reminding us you make it all beautiful in your time. Therefore, give us grace to give you time. Give us grace to trust you in the meantime. And Lord, as we hit the play button and we rush into a new week, we thank you we're comforted by these thoughts, that where we are is by God's appointment, kept in his keeping for this time. Lord, we thank you for these realities. We thank you that if our circumstances find us in God, we will find God in our circumstances. Amen. No matter what we're going through, we can trust God's perfect timing. This is Know the Truth, and you're listening to a message from Philip DeCourcy titled, It's About Time. It's just one part of the Quest for the Best series. And you can catch up on any message you might have missed when you visit us online at ktt.org. Or order individual messages on CD when you call 888-644-8811. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to say welcome, but that's not all. To encourage your walk of faith, Philip would like to send you one of his messages on CD. Chasing Pretty Bubbles is a message you'll want to hear again and again, or pass the CD on to a friend who needs to know the true meaning of life. Ask for the free CD when you call us at 888-644-8811. At Know the Truth, we're always looking to provide you with resources to strengthen your walk of faith. And this month, Philip has selected a book that explains why everything matters. Author Philip Ryken frames his commentary around the gospel pictured in every verse of this ancient but contemporary book of wisdom. 
you'll be inspired to live your life for Jesus Christ, who brings meaning to all the seasons and times of your life. Request Why Everything Matters when you make a generous donation of $20 or more. Give online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. You can also send your gift to us by mail. Just write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. It's your generosity that makes this ministry possible. And don't forget to ask for this month's resource when your donation is $20 or more. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. So glad you joined us today. There's more bold biblical teaching coming up next time when Philip continues our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's Monday on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Best of Enemies, starring Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson. I play Anne Atwater, a civil rights activist who was able to approach hate with love. And Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell. All the better if you don't get in my way. Well, I'm going to get in your way. If you change one heart, you can change the world. I have a Bible. And then you ought to know, same God made you, made me. The Best of Enemies, based on the untold true story. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters April 5th. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surrounddc.com. Connecting you with new customers. As parents and grand... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.